Blog Talk Radio. www.theclowntimes.net and you can also find me on Facebook so whether you're on your laptop smartphone, desktop wherever the hell you are, just type in The Clown Times to get a clown with spell with K in the search window on Facebook you'll find me there as well we got uh, quite a bit to get into like we're, we had a, we're, we're about to dive into another conversation regarding the state of HBCUs like we started last week with part one of the state of HBCU sports with the, all the encompass realignment that's going on and uh, we we're about we we're about to touch upon how this would possibly affect TV contracts of bigger like HBCU companies such as SWAC and you know which I consider the SEC of uh, FCS football outside the Missouri Valley Conference, of course. But at any rate, um, and so we're going to touch on that, and we're going to bring another voice into it. So let's get to it. So this evening we're going to to help me break all that down. We're going to have my two homies from A and T. Uh, my boys, uh, Dwayne Nash, who's from the Yards, like HBCU Sports, where he writes, writes about all things HBCU Sports, as well as Sleazy Radio every uh, Tuesday night on Facebook Live, and a contributor to Herosports.com as well. And I know I'm forgetting one other thing, since he's multi-talented, he's Dwayne Nash, as well as uh, Previn Taylor, who's also a fellow Aggie, uh, he's representing the 757, and... Last but not least, we're going to bring a new brother into the fold. Uh, he hails from um, from uh, Kaplan University, where he's playing uh, K.A. Psi, Kappa Alpha Psi, my Alpha Phi Alpha. So I uh, won't get thrown too much shade. But anyway, uh, Kaplan is currently in CIAA, and so he has some insight. And, I, you know, we, we converse with it on Twitter. And so I thought he'd be a great uh, addition to the conversation. His name is Rashad Myers. So, uh, so basically, without further ado, gentlemen, how y'all doing tonight? Hey, good evening. Good evening. I'm good, man. Guys, what's going, going on? Good, right? Hey, what's up, D? What's up, guys? Hey, good, good to talk to y'all again. Um, yeah. So basically, before I get involved with this, getting deep dive into this, man, let me just introduce uh, Rashad. Like, have him give a little introduction of himself. I know that you know you you are a proud graduate of Kaplan University. Uh, who's, re- who's representing the state of the Bay these days. Uh, of course, we're representing formerly the MEAC, but now about to be the big style. Um, but uh, at any rate, um, so 
Rashad, why don't you just give a brief intro to what you've been doing, how you came about with HBCUs and everything else, and what you're up to now. Yeah, man, uh, being an HBCU graduate, uh, like I said, I graduated from Claflin University, and, uh, you know, being a former athlete there running track and, you know, just knowing the HBCU pulse, um, I've actually been, I've I've come in close contact with a, a lot of athletes. I know a, a couple guys, man, who played over at South Carolina State, and uh, Claflin and South Carolina State are right next door, you know, so there's close proximity, so I've always been a big follower of the MEAC. Um, like I said, um, I've had a couple guys uh, that I know that, that have played there and with me coaching, you know, actually a couple kids who have, uh, you know, graduated from the high school that I coach at are current players and uh, former players at okay. South Carolina State. So I've just been following the MEAC for okay. a while. And uh, like I said, I have that CIAA uh, background with Claflin now. Um, we went from the SIAC to the CIAA a few years ago, and so you know, I've just been kind of following right. and uh, you know, just keeping up with it. Cool, man. Cool, man. Well, you know, you're going to get a deep dive to the HBCU sports thing tonight because you know, like in addition to uh, Previn, uh, like who obviously keeps up with very well, he seems to be in the know somehow for some reason. Um, I call him the inside man. Um, you know, Dwayne <laughs> writes a lot about sports for HeroSports.com. And, Dwayne, you recently now a new, new writer for another website. Can you tell us about that right quick? Yes. Um, I am actually now officially a contributor for HBCUsports.com. Um, HBCUsports.com has been doing it since the, um, the mid to late 90s. Uh, as a guy that's been doing it for at least 10 years now, of course, I've been following what they've been doing, so it was highly impressive to me to find out that they have been following what I've been doing as of recently and wanted to bring me on as a contributor. So, yeah, this, that's uh, the, the, the current situation right now, as well as still being a correspondent with Hero Sports. Nice. nice. Congratulations. So basically. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no doubt. But so basically between the four of us, we're going. To, the list is going to get a deep dive in HBCU sports because we could. We started on this last week, and then like I like I told Previn and uh, <clears throat> Dwayne last week, two. Well, really, it was only out of half, but we. It's not nearly long, long enough. I mean, I'll be able to talk about baseball at the beginning, but still, it's not nearly long enough to talk about the impact of HBCU sports and the, what's going the future. What it's going to look like, well, especially with all this lately, the latest conference realignment. And speaking of which, we're going to get to that right quick. So I'm going to kick it off with you, Rashad. So we talked about last week about Bethune rumoring to go either to the SWAC or to the or to the uh, Atlantic Sun uh, to stay with the, a lot of the Florida schools in the, in the SES level. So it just came out right. earlier, like late last week and early this week, that um, of course Bethune is on his way to the SWAC. So basically, now you have both Florida schools, FAMU and Bethune, uh, going to the SWAC. So now the SWAC has how many classes now, Dwayne? Like four or seven, four? So you got the Florida class. I think more like 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like they, they, got, no, they got the Florida class. 20, but they have four main ones with the Florida Classic, okay. the Bayou Classic, Magic City Classic. Right. Um, I know I'm missing a whole lot of other ones. Um, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that every major rivalry 
<laughs> in the swag has a classic. But you know, like Preble said, man, there's probably like 50 classics in the swag that they're, they're participating <laughs> in. Because um, I know, right. in fact, I don't know if it's technically a classic, but the rivalry between Florida A&M and Southern now, that's going to be a huge rivalry game within the conference again. So it's going <laughs> you know, to be huge come 2021 what happens. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. I was wrong last week when we, before we left the, uh, the air last week when I said I doubt very seriously that Bethune-Cookman goes to the SWAC because travel-wise, it didn't make sense. Right. And it still doesn't make sense to me. It's still kind of confusing because, like we said, it will put a strain not only on them to go west, but for those west teams, especially those teams in Texas and Louisiana, to make their way to them. But my guess is, you know, they they told uh, – I can't remember what the exact quote was in the letter that they sent out to the public, but they said they needed to – it was – I'm paraphrasing this. They made a move that was in the best interest of the university, which leads me to believe that they probably thought that a move to the SWAC would be hugely beneficial to them financially. And if it is beneficial to them financially, you probably don't have to worry about the travel as much. Yeah, I was going to say because they yeah. probably get because you know we talked about this last week and Rashad, you probably you, I'm sure you noticed that the swag football mm-hmm. in particular swag it's very highly attended and right. travel. So I'm thinking about like of course the big brands like of course Southern and Grambling, you know they're big fans, they're big alumni bases. I, I'm picturing of that alone. If, if they were to travel to uh, uh, like Bethune Wells, what's the Daytona where, where Bethune is? Well, like like mm-hmm. like like football game, they wouldn't have trouble. Bethune wouldn't have trouble selling out the place, even if half of the tickets would be going to the visiting schools. Because I mean, they just one thing about no the swag, they really love the football shots. So basically, to piggyback on Wayne's comments, what are your what's your take on? The deal moving from the MEAC to the to, to the SWAC is it would it be do you see say be a bit official or or what do you what, what, what's your take on that and then Previn you to follow up. Um, I think it'll be a seamless transition for them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. financially they say they you know save money you know by you know going to the SWAC and you know heading out west a little bit and you know from a rivalry standpoint they've all historically even before their move to the MEAC they had already you know been playing a lot of the SWAC schools I mean so you know I just think yeah. it, it, when you look at attendance and you look at like you said SWAC SWAC crowds and you know SWAC schools they travel to see their guys play and I mean if you think about yeah. what you know uh what Sam has, and then you, you you think about what Bethune has in, in terms of their, their big following and their culture, man. I, I think they'll they'll fit in pretty well with the with the swag schools. Yeah, and you know, man, I'm thinking. I mean, the uh, thing, Prev, you touched on it earlier, man. I mean, the prospect of watching FAMU <coughs> go up against Southern, FAMU go up against Grambling, FAMU go up against Alcorn. That's going to that's that's you know about crowds. That's like a robbery game Jackson every week. State, bruh. Yeah. Alabama bruh State. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. yeah um I, yeah, it's kinda of, yeah, going back to last week, you know, we're talking about yeah. um, you know, I, I, I 
I had my sort of some doubts about them moving to the SWAC, but at the same time, it's it's kind of hard to ignore that natural fit. They've been at SWAC school before, you know, a long time ago. Okay. Most of us were probably right. like what four years old or something like that. But um, they've been there. Sure. Yet it's it's we, the 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 thing that everybody's on in this day and age is cost savings and travel. But mm-hmm. when you really think about it, you know. That's just always been part of uh, being in an HBCU. You had to hit the road. Um, you had your local games, but sometimes you had to go outside of your school's respective uh, budgetary comfort zone <laughs> to just uh, to make things happen to fill out the schedule. Um, it's it's in it's in the DNA to use the cliche. Um, it's familiar to them. It's comfortable. That's you know we we talk about the finances, but that's hard to really look past, especially when you know that, you know, when you're uprooting your fan base and your alumni, especially a lot of your younger alumni who are still probably yeah. more tied to the university, you know, you, right. you're wondering, you know, one, yeah, is this best for the school financially? Two, how do we keep them engaged while making yeah. this transition and keeping them excited and also you know, inspiring them to support and give. And right. you're not in the MEAC anymore, so why not the SWAC? I mean, it's kind of like you've been saying. Who at Bethune-Cookman FAMU is not going to get excited about that move? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, salivate. I mean, they – the other schools in the MEAC who, like, of course, our, our beloved A&T and the PWIs in a minute, PWI conferences in a minute, but – I mean, I I I I just say this, you know, and you know this this one thing I want to talk about at the end, but we're kind of like segueing to this. We talk about the like the the the, the, the possibilities of the big crowds and how excited the fans and alums of students are of FAMU and doing a movement to the SWAC. With the SWAC now, you've got you got three at least good good three brands, right? You got. Southern, you got Grambling, you have FAMU, okay? Some consider Jackson State a, a, a kind of a brand of sorts, right? Some consider uh, Mississippi State, Mississippi Valley State because of Jerry Wright, kind of like a brand. But really, the, 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 the biggest brands of SWAC are Southern, uh, Grambling, and FAMU. So, uh, right. Wayne, since you're plugged into this, really plugged into this, and we touched. We were. I was going to touch on it last week. We may, may have touched on it just a little bit, but I really want to touch on this tonight. And that's the possibility of the Squack Parland, those three big brands, into a lucrative, more lucrative uh, TV deal. Uh, because we all know that you know, big like every 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 conference like is all about the brands of college football, college sports. Best college football. It's all about the brand. Right. So the SWAC is unique, fellas, in the sense in the sense that it has three major brands that not only we as HBCU alums and fans recognize and, and, and understand, but a lot of our white counterparts and those brothers and sisters who didn't go to HBCUs recognize the three brands. So you know, um, so basically, uh, let me ask you this, Wayne and. Uh, Previn and and uh, and uh, Rashad, feel free to to um, to add your two cents to it. 
What do you think the possibility of the SWAC, whether it's through ESPN, Fox Sports, or whatever, eventually parlay in those brands, and especially if they continue to recruit well and draw bigger crowds, big, big crowds of football games, how would that be able to parlay into a more lucrative conference contract with, again, out of ESPN, Fox Sports, wherever? So what's your take? Oh, they, they have a huge opportunity in doing so. I'm just slightly disappointed that it hasn't happened in the past, and I'm also, I'm actually more so uh, disappointed that the MEAC didn't uh, have an opportunity to do so, and it'll kind of explain itself out on on, on how that's the case, too, because I'm kind of tied it in, too. But like you said, yeah. based on their history, Grambling, Southern, uh, Jackson State, have huge historical ties within HBCU football, HBCU sports, as well as um, college sports as a whole. So they're known entities. They have huge brands that a lot of people are aware of. Another thing, um, Alabama State and Bethune-Cookman have been doing wonderful jobs in the past five years in terms of marketing and branding themselves as well as athletic departments and, and, and getting themselves exposed through social media and, 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 and their sports marketing. So they're starting to build something as well um, with, with all mm-hmm. those brands. And now the two different divisions, the East and the West, both having six teams apiece. And it's going to be interesting how they end up doing that split because of the three teams in the state of Mississippi, the question is going to be which team is going to end up going to the West because if you look at it right now, you're going to have both Florida teams, both Alabama teams, and at least two of the three Mississippi teams in Alcorn State, Jackson State, and Mississippi Valley State. At least two of those are going to be in the East with one moving to the West with Grambling, Southern, um, uh, uh, Pine Bluff and the two Texas schools, Texas Southern and uh, Prairie View A&M. Having yeah. that capability and the way that the schedule is going to get split up. Now, this is one of the things that, that I wasn't thinking about before and it just hit me not too long ago. The, the, it's not going to be as much of an issue for them to travel now that I think about it because with the Florida team, they're going to go to uh, Alabama, they're going to go to Mississippi on a regular basis, being that that's in their division. Right. But football-wise, what they'll okay. end up doing is probably splitting the travel between the three states and rotating those two schools, if that makes any sense, being that they would end up okay. doing, like, maybe Grambling, um, UAB, and Texas Southern one year, and then the other three schools the following, following year and alternate every year in terms of football. But to your point, the marketing of uh, 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 this conference to a network with all of the rivalries that you have, with all of the classics that we've already discussed in football, the way that the basketball programs are improving. Texas Southern has been a mainstay for the past couple of years, even with the new head coaches they have there. You now have former NBA coach Mo Williams, at um, yep. not NBA coach, I'm sorry, NBA player Mo Williams NBA now like the head coach at Alabama State. You now have you know the beautiful arena that they have at uh, 
uh, uh, uh, Florida A and M. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how McClendon, uh, 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 Charles McClendon, the uh, the SWAT commissioner, is capable of taking what he currently has and, and trying to market that to whatever type of, of, of television outlet that they have available and, and saying that, hey, with these 12 teams, we're capable of giving you at least 12 cities already <clears throat> based upon where these schools are located that are within major television markets in the top 100, along with alumni being in large markets as well. Hey, why not? give us what we're looking for in terms of a television deal. The thing is, though, I hope they're a lot smarter than what they've been in the past in terms of trying to shop this deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and trying to expose so as much athletics as possible. Let, let me ask you this right, uh, uh, right quickly. He mentioned McClendon. Is he in mm-hmm. relation to the the uh, the uh, the legendary coach McClendon from uh, Central I'm sorry, way back when? Is that McClendon? It's McClendon. It's, it's, it's McClendon. It's McClendon. Yeah. I'll, oh, McClendon. Mispronounced his name. Yeah. Okay. My bad. No, my that, bad. That's my mistake. I, I, I called him accidentally McClendon. <laughs> it's McClendon. Yeah. Hey, D Nash, if oh, it's no any worries. consolation, McClendon is my wife's maiden name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Is she really? Is she, is there you she go. Any relation? <laughs> In any relation to 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 the to the famous coach, Brevin? No, no, no. Wait, well, I'm not sure. The question has come up, but I haven't gotten an answer. Ah, okay. Got <laughs> well, somebody's gonna lie and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we related." <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm not sure if y'all remember the um, NC. Just to break off for a quick second, the NC State running sure. back T. A. McClendon from uh, about ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, course, um, yeah, there was. It seemed that he, that he was of relation to that family, but that's about the uh, oh. only confirmation I've gotten. Okay, yeah, I remember. That's a blast in the past. That's that's from the um, <clears throat> uh, I forget the coach. He used to coach at Florida State, but he turned out to be Chuck, a huge uh, receiver. That, that's that's what Yeah, Chuck him out. That's yeah. been a Chuck him out a year. We should have been yeah. in State because I well, I say we because I went to NC State for undergrad at A and T for grad school, so I kind of say we the both, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I still remember that day, that fateful day in, uh, in Columbus where he inexplicably decided to kneel three times. Uh, five yeah, I remember that. Short line, won't win the game. I'm still mad about that. But oh, anyway, I remember that. I won't go into I got a quote from the all the game. Um, so, 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 uh, Rashad, so do you think, uh, like, when Dwayne and I were just kind of mentioning <clears> that, I think the swag is on top of a potential gold mine in terms of parlaying the brands to get a, a, a lucrative TV deal down the line. So, so what's your take on, on that? Is it possible? Uh, and, and, how, and how attainable could it be for, for the swag? I think it really is possible. Um, like you guys have said, man, with, with what they had before, adding FAM and, and Bethune, you know, they, in terms of the brands, they were already – there, you know, they were already pretty, pretty lucrative. But adding Fam and Bethune, um, that that just adds to, you know, what they can do from a, a brand standpoint. I think it makes the conference so much stronger. Um, each of those schools have strong alumni bases, and when you bring that together, 
you know, looking at, yeah. at it from a football standpoint, that's a strong matchup each and every week. You know, it, the rivalries are there. Um, like you said, we what four or five classics right off the top that we can mention. Um, and, and then if you think about it from a facility standpoint, Alabama A&M have uh, a, a couple new facilities. I think that's going to help them, you know, with recruiting and, and could potentially help, you know, bring kids in. And, you know, that, that helps from if you, you think about, getting possibly a, a TV deal. And so all of that together, man, I, I think when looking at FAMU, they have, like you said, a, a pretty new arena. All of that, that that comes in together, man, I think that, that could help them from a conference standpoint and help them get, you know, a, a TV deal. So I, I hope that it, it does come together because um, I think black schools need that, that notoriety. They need the exposure. And so I hope that it really works for them. You know what, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry but I, I will say this real okay. quick. Um, <laughs> I, my my hope is that they don't just sit back and wait for a deal to come to them. I'm going to right. need them to be proactive. They already have a digital yeah. network that's based through their website. What they should do is is take the page out of what the Big South and what the A Sun has already done which has helped them get a lot more exposure through ESPN+, Plus, which is to use the universities that already have communications departments on their campuses to help produce the content. You have them there. Broadcast the games through your digital network. Show that you're capable of being viable to these networks and say, hey, we already have the content. Or we can help develop the content. We just need another outlet to distribute it that's better than what we currently have. Let's make a deal. Along with the fact that we have the access to these football games that people want to watch throughout the nation. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you got brands. They have to think of the Bayou Classics on NBC every year. Why not parlay that into something bigger, right? You got FAMU there. You got all of, you know, you got Jackson State. You got Mississippi Valley State. You got Alcorn State. You got schools that that that, give, that really give a shit about football on, on the FCS level to the point where, I mean, outside of North, North Dakota State, uh, 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 James Madison in a year after year for FCS championships, I mean, outside of those schools, you you the S, the SWAC ruled the rules in terms of popularity and attendance in college football games. Why the hell not, right, Forever? I mean, why exactly. why why not? Why not take advantage of it? Man, I can see you know how you have you have your SEC network, you know your ACC network. I can see a SWAC network one day, man. I just hope that they can, you know, based on the new moves, man, come to the table and like you said. Get something done, man. I can see it. I can see it too. Perfect. I think you're about to say something too, brother. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of uh, piggybacking on what uh, D Nash said. It's um, obviously I'm, I'm not a TV person. Um, I, the mechanics of that, I'm not, you know, <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, you also want to look at, you know, you have those markets. You have uh, Houston. You have Baton Rouge and uh, New Orleans. Um, you have. Tallahassee, and you have uh, Eastern Florida and South Florida. Um, 
those markets are very, you know, I wouldn't say they're limitless, but when you look at uh, basically a football crazy fan base, you're looking at people that will yeah. literally switch yeah, from one game to the next game to the next game to the next game. Um, and that's that's not really a reality in every part of this country. Um, I, I was telling a friend of mine um, earlier this week, we were talking about the exact same topic, the SWAC. Um, in our the mid-Atlantic, where we where I reside, um, you know, you, people know about the CIAA, people know about the MEAC. Our actual exposure to the SWAC is fairly limited unless you just really, really love watching college football, which means you're going to stay up sure. late to watch a SWAC game that's been delayed coverage, or you're going to watch that Thursday night game opposite of the NFL you know, most people just aren't going to do that, especially on the East Coast. So um, with that being said, a lot of us um, with the background in the um, mid-Atlantic area, even as HBCU alum, just really haven't seen up, the, you know, the, the depth of the SWAC in terms of, you know, how they present their product in terms of uh, what their programs are like. Um, you know, it's, it would be a shame that they couldn't, if they somehow couldn't parlay that into something to present that and expose that to this audience, that, you know, it would be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that. And I'm just thinking, man, about the possibilities. Now, because I think now with the recent editions of, 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 of the, up, the, the upcoming editions of the of FAMU and Bethune, I think that brings the SWAC's total to 11, Dwayne and Previn and Rashad, is that right? 11 football playing schools? Well, 11, all, well, they all, they're, well, they're all in all red sports, but 11 schools, is that right? In the it, league? It's 12. 12. It's be 12, oh, it's 12 now. Yeah. Yeah, 12. division. Okay, cool. Cool. So that's actually better. So this is why I'm thinking, man. Now, we touched upon it, Rashad, we touched upon this a little bit last week. But given mm-hmm. all we discussed tonight, brother, like with all these brands, these two big brands coming in, can you imagine if if, if the if the Squack somehow sweet taught Tennessee State into coming back home, right? Like 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 yeah. leaving the Ohio Valley Conference and, and coming right. to Miac and and if say like this is a this is a kind of a pipe dream, but maybe not because of popularity and the alumni support, maybe Tuskegee. Moving up from D two to D one FCS level, and then coming right from right. the SIAC and coming over to the to the SWAC. So basically, if you especially as Tuskegee, that's another brand. That is another brand. So then now you in this scenario you have four major brands. So that would be okay. a huge goldmine shot. So that to me, I don't I, like. I don't know what you're hearing, but. As far as that goes, but if the SWAC was able to get those two schools, Tennessee State, and convince Tuskegee to move up from like from from D to the D one, that would give the fourteen schools, and that would give the two additional brands. And shit, that 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 to me is a gold mine. <laughs> that that's a win, right? That's no a win, right? No doubt about it. I agree one hundred percent, man. And. You know, it might sound a little far fetched right now, but as we we've seen, anything can happen. Um, I, I know we didn't right. all expect the MEAC to just kind of 
you know, you know, disintegrate as fast as it did. And I, and I, I don't say that in a negative way, but I mean, it's, 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 it's falling apart. And like you said, uh, anything can happen, but like you, you know, I just think that'll be a super conference. If you were to, if Tennessee state were to come back and like you said, with Tuskegee, even their academic history, man, and all, you know, everything that they're right. known for bringing them up, man, it, it, it would be crazy. It would be like a super conference, man. People would have to pay attention at that point, man. No doubt about it. Yeah. Because again, it's all about brands. It's all about brands. And so, yeah, the, the, sweat, the sweat needs to stop playing. And it may, it may, maybe they'll make a move on the scene we don't know about to, 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 the, to our point, but I, I, the sweat the is about to get real serious, man. If they're really serious, and I think they are, Lord have mercy. They, they, could, really, they could really do some wonders in HBC, for HBCU sports if they were to really take advantage of the, of the potential that they're sitting on, the potential gold mine that they're sitting on right now. So that's, that's why I'm like, like – You don't uh, mind me making this point about. real quick. Go, go ahead. I'm go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought about it, and I don't think people are really mentioning it enough, but, I mean, I know we're talking football here, but think about from a band standpoint with, you know, Bethune yeah. and Fam coming to the SWAC. And, I mean, what you already have with Southern and, you know, Jackson State, you know, Sonic Boom of the South. I mean, from a band standpoint, that's going to bring people to the stadium as well. I mean, because you have yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the top-notch bands in, in the country, all of HBCU, you know, band land, so to speak. So I think that's going to be something that really, really helps the conference as well, you know. Dude, that'll really push. I mean, that, that's that's what's the the driving force behind the attendance numbers for these games. We'll, we'll have to be real with that. Um, it, 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 it can't be for those that are in the know. We we know that that the bands really drive people to come to games, and and like you just said, if you look at it, depending upon who you talk to, you're talking about a lot of fantastic bands from the HBCU ranks in that one conference alone. Because if you look at what's remaining in the MEAC as of 2021. Those aren't necessarily schools with driving bands. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, and like I've always said when I'm on the show, yes, I am within earshot of the campus of Howard, but Showtime <laughs> ain't really Showtime. Let's be real. Let's no be real. Showtime ain't Showtime. No doubt about it. Morgan State's band <laughs> is nothing to call home about. I don't even know if you've actually seen – the pet band that, that Coppin State currently has. It is what it is. I don't <laughs> even know if, if Eastern Shore has one. Delaware State, I've no, seen No, they don't have a football and, team. They, exactly. You know, Delaware State, I've barely seen their band. Okay, Norfolk State, right. the Legion, I've seen them. I've seen South Carolina State's band as well. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and be a hater on – on, on, on this show as it pertains to, to North Carolina Central, but they are who they are as a, as a band. But that's that's what you have left in the MEAC come 2021. You take that lineup and you put that up against what you're, 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 you're lining up band-wise in the SWAC, and it doesn't even compete. It's not even fair. So, yes, that's not another close. way for them to continue to generate money or to generate revenue or to generate – uh, 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 whatever they want to generate in terms of uh, multimedia, however they want to handle it, that's another outlet for them to do something with and, and, and have something else to put out there as content. 
It's going to be insane. You know what, man? Let me tell you a very quick story, right quick. So, back when, like, uh, A&T, this is like a few years ago. So, A&T played uh, Wake Forest at uh, at, 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 at uh, BB&T Stadium in Winston-Salem. And my parents were, were at the game. I, I was I was I, I was uh, I was living in D.C. at the time. Um, so long story short, like when it's halftime, right? You know, of course, if you go to a different like an average football game, people are getting asses up and go to this food, like concessions, getting some food. And so, right. my mom, my like, someone asked my mom and dad. Because like one of the Wake Forest alums or fans noticed that a lot of the a lot of the black folks at the game were and there were plenty of AT fans there, they were still in their seats. They were still in their seats. And so we, they were like wondering why they were in their seats. And so they have me here AT fans, of course, our band set it off, right, before uh Wake Forest's band come come watching the band came out. And so how about all those white <laughs> Was just looking like, wow. <laughs> and they came back. They literally, according to my mom, they came back quickly from this, even if they didn't get their food. They came quickly back when they heard the band going and going, this ain't that. That was better that we used to. And, and so the point I'm saying with that is, is that that's another thing that the SWAT could probably to actually leverage on the legendary band. Right? So that. I mean, hell, I mean, give that, I mean, the rivalry between the schools already there for the most part. And then you have the band aspect, having FAMU, having Bethune, and, like, possibly in the future having Tennessee State and Tuskegee in, in the mix as well. Bruh, I'm telling you, I mean, the SWAC don't know what they have. They don't know what the, they, they could they potentially have on their hands right now. So, this is pretty, Actually, Scott, I'm I, sure I think they, they do know. I'm pretty sure they know. I think okay. they do know. Yeah. That's why they put it down yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. That that brother is smart. I've heard him speak on several occasions. That dude knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. He, that's and I don't think he's done. I think he has a couple more tricks up his sleeve. I really do. So do I. In, in terms he's, of, he's you know, possible expansion. Yeah. Um, can I, can oh, I, um, yeah. um uh, say something here. I was uh, oh, yeah. mentioning yeah, go uh, going back to Tennessee State. Um, I was talking. My wife is friends with some Tennessee State alum, and they were talking about their history um, as an Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, he mentioned mm-hmm. something to me that I was unaware of at the time. Actually, they were not a SWAC school, at least not in football. No. They uh-uh. have not been a. They they um they were in the old Miss Midwestern Conference which was a HBCU conference up to 1966 before going to the Ohio Valley Conference. But they have maintained a lot of ties and, um, you know, big games, rivalry games, classics, uh, particularly the Circle City, uh, with SWAC schools and some MEAC schools. So uh-huh. that, that's just kind of to put that out there, that um, state and SWAC would be kind of like home, but it's not really coming back home. Right, exactly, and I that's one of the things too that that actually has come out as of recently. The SWAC necessarily hasn't been pushing to bring in Tennessee State in the past ten mm-hmm. years. They may have sent out like maybe one invitation 
or one fielder to uh, Tennessee State to see if they may have been interested. And, of course, um, the Tigers have, 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 have rejected them in the past, but who's to say what's going to happen in the near future? And then, like you said right. before, Tuskegee has been in this exploration mission for some time now trying to figure out if a move to Division One would be best for them. So I'm still intrigued to see exactly what's going to happen with them as well as it pertains to even moving up to the D1 status. But the way that this pandemic has things, it's going to make it very difficult for a lot of uh, Division II schools, not just HBCUs, but a lot of Division II schools to move up to the Division I status if they were looking to do so in, in the recent past because of that cost, not only just to move right. up to Division One, right? but, of course, to pay that mm-hmm. conference fee and, of course, to also right. include additional scholarships to go ahead Adding and compete on that level. Upgrading facilities. Yes, and upgrading of facilities. Yes, I forgot about right. that, Previn. And yeah. it's well over a million dollars at this point, you know, so, right. I, yeah. I'll just put it this way. I'm not going to name the institution, but I'm aware of a okay. certain um, former MEAC school whose uh, stadium was on the borderline of, um, of uh, at- uh, not attendance, occupancy uh, guidance uh, where the NCAA for SDS Division One was concerned. And um, I know for a while they were paying a fine because their stadium was not large enough. You said former or current? Uh, former. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we know which one You tell yourself when you say it. Right. You we know which right. one <laughs> I, I got a feeling I know who it is, but you're right. That's one of the things. When people were talking about or they were discussing you know, potential CIAA schools moving up to uh, to the MEAC, the first thing I did was look at stadium capacity numbers, right? And the only ones right, that yeah. really make sense of the three schools that they named, of course, being uh, Bowie State, who has been having a lot of success recently in the CIAA, Virginia State and Virginia Union, would be the two Virginia schools because they both have current capacities of over 7,000. Bowie State, it, there's no way under 3,000 right now that they would be able to do it without having some sort of expansion. Now, mind you, they are doing work. Or, 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 well, they've done some work. They've built a new track there on campus. But to try to raise that money along with the other fees they would have to pay <clears throat> in order to uh, work on that stadium would be uh, a task for them. Hmm. Well, speaking of facilities, let me ask you all this. Um you know, because there's been a lot of a lot of talk about like with all the I call it the racial the racial awakening going on in the United States of America since, of course, the murder of uh, George Floyd at the hands of, of the police in Minneapolis. That a lot of kids have been encouraged, like a lot of blue chippers have been encouraged to consider some HBCUs. Like I remember uh, Camilla Anthony was encouraging some some boots and basketball to to a sports That's the guy who's a he's a lot, loves the school. But he's like these kids should like consider HBCUs and yet there's one kid in the class of twenty twenty two I think who's who's considering it strongly considering an HBCU. Um, even though it's two years away but still he's strongly considered he's like a four or five star kid. 
Um, and I forget his name. But um, Mickey Williams. Mikey. Mikey Williams, okay. Mikey. Mikey. Mikey Williams. Mikey Williams. Right. So and so the question now is like since like okay, you got these kids possibly be considering HBCUs on a serious level and you know, because I know I think there was a recruit, a football recruit that Alabama was trying to recruit, the University of Alabama was trying to recruit, but he ended up going to an HBCU. Um, but at any rate, the point I'm trying to make is, is that they have if they if the HBCUs want to get serious, especially the bigger ones, they I think they have to reinvest. They have to reinvest in in, in, in their facilities. I mean, some schools have been doing a great job. Like if you go to A&T's campus, I mean, compared to what it was like when we were in college, it's different. It, it, it looks like it looks better than UNC Greensboro. I mean, it's, it's a different campus. And so they've done a hell of a job and, and reinvested in their facilities. I think that if, if more and more uh, HBCUs is the same, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't looked at SWAT's campuses, obviously. I mean, I, I hadn't spent much time looking at it. I think I should start looking into it. Just, just you get a chance to do a virtual it. tour of a Prairie View Stadium. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, you get a chance to do a virtual tour of Prairie View Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have a nice facility. Do that. Yeah, Prairie View so, has a nice facility. Alabama State has nice facilities. Uh, Florida A&M, like I said before, about their basketball arena is, is beautiful. Coppin State, it's small, but that facility that they have in Baltimore for their basketball program is nice. So there's, there are a lot of uh, uh, programs that are doing just that in terms of investing in themselves. And that actually, shh, don't tell nobody, but A&T is currently in the middle of making more additions and more changes to their facilities as well. Nice. nice. Okay, we won't okay. tell nobody. I won't say a word, damn it. I give it a hush. But I'm thinking about – I bring this up too because I'm thinking about that that report that that story that came out of Grambling a few years ago about how bad the facilities were that students like <clears throat> let a that the student athletes like they threatened to quit the football team the football program yeah. because they, they wouldn't get on the bus city, yeah yeah and they <laughs> yeah they would they have city facilities so I don't know what the fall is now does anyone know the fallout like the that's Grambling. Right by those kids. I know they had a chance in, in the illustration in terms of ADs, but have they started to do right well, that was, by, that was, by those student That was kind of a long and convoluted story. Um, yeah. Okay. That had you know had a lot of roots in um, bureaucracy, uh, kickbacks, yeah. favoritism. Let, let's just put mm-hmm. it this way yeah. to, to make it to make it short. Um, Doug Williams had lined up funds to yeah. upgrade and modernize those facilities. He received pushback from up top, which led to him separating with the program. Mm-hmm. He had investors, donors, alumni. He had channels of funds paired to come in and bring the uh, program uh, up to standards. Um, it, in, in popular vernacular or what you see on um, – social media, it wasn't happening for reasons. Yeah. And uh, once uh, 
once that story broke, um, let's just say a lot of the inhi- inhibitance was also removed. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that, Previn. Um, oddly enough, I stumbled upon an event, and uh, Shaq Harris was there. And I got a chance to speak with him. And, of course, this was right in the midst of everything going on, and he told me that exact same thing. He said that, you know, a lot of the former football players and a lot of the former athletes, along with investors, had money raised to redo a lot of the facilities there on campus. And like you said, they were told no, they couldn't donate the funds. But since then, a lot of things have changed and some things have been upgraded. But my hope is that um, a, a lot of the other Division One, especially uh, Division One facilities that haven't been worked on, start to get done. So uh, they start to get work themselves. And as I, say, I hope that these two division schools start to get some work as well, the ones that are in need, because there's some nice D two facilities as well that a lot of people don't speak up. Virginia State basketball. Exactly. You know, a lot of the facilities that we talk about, yes, they're the D1s, and yes, we would love to see these big-name guys go to uh, 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 D1 programs. But, hey, I say go where you're comfortable. And if if your comfort comfort level says go to Claflin, go to Claflin. If your comfort level says go to Lemoyne Owen, go. If, hey, if, if you're born and raised, and in um, Ohio, and you want to stay, and you want to play with, with Central State, do it. Don't let this whole thing of playing on the D1 level be the end-all, be-all for you. I say go where you feel comfortable. And like I've been, like I always say, and like I've been told by HBCU alums that have gone pro, if you're good enough, they will find you and they will come see you. Don't tell Sharp first that. contract. Yeah, hey. Uh, well, you, you know what? Yeah, you know what though? That's that's a separate conversation. Um, oh yeah. That you, you're talking to a, that, that that's beginning to speak to a whole different culture. Talking to <clears throat> touching high school coaches, touching parents. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, yeah, it, that's that's a different conversation. But yeah, they're exactly right. It's just a, and and then you know. A lot of the kids, um, you know, they, they've been taught since a very young age, age five, age six. Um, if you're good at football, you know, you, you need to be at Clemson. If you're good at basketball, yeah. you need to be at Duke. Yep. That's the only conversation yep. in their own homes. So when Clemson and, you know, Alabama and Duke do show up, the conversation's over. Yeah, right. You know, know, I was watching these these kids here in the D.C. area. You know, they have won, you know, the city championship in terms of rec football. They won regionally, and they were looking to go to Florida to to compete. And so they Mm -hmm. were interviewing these kids on local news, and they were talking to them about, you know, playing football on the collegiate level. And I swear to you, there were several kids and this had to have been like 2017, 2018. There were several kids talking about going to the University of Miami. What in the hell is the University of Miami <laughs> done recently in terms of college football that these eight-year-olds are talking about going down there to play? That's stuff to 
they've heard from their, it's, their it's what parents. Are they, what are they hearing? Yep. It's what are they hearing from their parents? What are they hearing from their coaches? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, Bowie State, right up the street, winning conference championships. And y'all talking about going to the university. They ain't even the best school in a conference. But because they have that brand and they're known as being this squad with swagger, they, 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 their family members talk about it. The kids hear it. The kids talk about it. But you know, a lot of them kids are also cowboy fans, and I digress about that too. You know, <laughs> yeah. Wait, and these are the same kids that are talking about the you, and I'm sitting there livid. I'm like, these kids don't even want to stay home and play for Maryland or go to James <clears> Madison, another program that's that's competing locally for national championships. They want to go. So places they hear their folks talk about. But I digress. That's, that's like you said, that's yeah. something that that's a culture change and that's something I've been suggesting for years. That's a culture change. You're gonna to have to change within the families that, 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 that bring up these kids that wanna play um sports. Right. Speaking of no you're about from it. Miami, I got a question for you. Um like uh, you mentioned, like uh, like 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 the, like they, like a, like a, some coaches say, if you're good enough, son, they'll find you. That's what Shannon Sharp was told many months ago. He was at Savannah State at the time. Well, they they were about to move from the to the CAC to the SEAC to the MIA, mm-hmm. you know, the back of the SEAC now. Um, he, at the end of his sophomore year, he he, he was on the verge of transferring to Miami. Now I mm-hmm. think that was during the time where Jimmy Johnson was still there. So they were it recruiting was. him, long story short, they were recruiting him hard, and so he would have played with the likes of Jerome Brown and company. So anyway, um, so he went to his coach at, at Savannah, and he told him that he was gonna he's gonna like um, uh, transfer. And so of course, of course, that's one night he said, and the chair was like, "Hey man, I want to play for the big crowd. I want scouts to see me, blah blah blah." And his coach told him. Son, if you're good enough, they're going to find you wherever you are. So don't even worry about it. If you're good enough, they'll find you. And, of course, the rest is history. You know, he ended up staying at Savannah and, you know, ended up getting dropped himself around and become the Hall of Fame tight end. So, um, yeah, I mean, like like when Dwayne mentioned that quote, like, uh, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And the University of Miami had to share that story right quick. So, uh, <laughs> that's a great point. If you guys don't mind me chiming in real quick, uh, with me being a South oh, Carolina ahead, boy, uh, South Carolina kid, uh, Darius Leonard. I mean, if, if you guys yeah. are you know familiar with, mm-hmm. him, yeah. you know, yeah, of course, absolutely, yeah, from the Indiana rookie Coast, of the year, right here from South Carolina, right, right, played at South Orange Carolina Bird. State. Uh, of course, yeah, Owensboro, South Carolina, where I went to school, Claflin was next door, and so yeah. I, I watched him play, you know, a, a ton during his tenure at South Carolina State. But I mean, he. Had aspirations to go to Clemson, and uh, it didn't work out, and he ended up going to South Carolina State. And I mean, like you said, I, he, he balled out, and you know, little South Carolina State, they, you know, he, he actually got drafted in the second round, which is, you know, pretty good for HBCU schools. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, did the yeah, thing. You know, and, a lot of school. You know, he was two. Yeah, he was yeah. two-time Defensive Player of the Year in the MEAC, and uh, and it ends up, you know, being Defensive Player Rookie of the Year in the NFL. So I yeah. mean. If you can play, they'll find you. Hey, what yeah, what round was kids, Hargrave? What I hate. Uh, how, yeah, what round was Hargrave? I, I want to say third. Uh, you got Javon Hargrave. He, he, okay. went to, he went to South Carolina. Okay. 
Yeah, he was at South Carolina State right. too. He, he went there as well. Right. Yeah. No doubt about it. And I, just the last point, I, a lot of kids have this misconception. I tell my kids all the time, you know, because I, I coach as well. I tell kids, don't argue with free. Get a free education. I mean, yeah, yeah. A lot of kids have <laughs> that that those aspirations of going D one, and they think it's D one or bust. But you have to go first of all where you want it, and uh-huh. second of all where it's a good fit for you. Okay, you kids thinking D one, and you got to realize you you want to go to these top tier schools, or you got to be elite because not only you might be good from where you're from, but you're gonna come in contact with a lot of athletes who are the best from where they're from as well. And I mean. Yep. They have four, four and five star athletes rolling in and out. So you have to really know that you're elite and, and be able to, you know, withstand that. And you know, and so it's just a misconception am- amongst kids. And I try to educate them as, as much as possible, you know. But uh, it, it's hard because right. a lot of them do have that that mindset: D one or bust. And then we have to get rid of that. You know, go get a free education. You know. You don't leave schools with you know school with student loans. That's that's actually a plus in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rashawn, and, and go where it's a good fit for you. Rashawn, it's funny that yeah. you say that because Plies actually said the exact same thing about a month ago. He did a video, placed it on social media, and you know he said that some young man came up to him and was talking about how <clears> he was still in search of a D one scholarship, but had received a, uh, an offer from a D two school. Plus, and he said, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Just think about it. He, he legit said Claflin. He said, what if Claflin, a D2 school, gave you a free ride? That's what, like $70,000? Right. Yeah, he said, well, that's like $70,000. Okay, cool. So if you don't have a car and I offer you like a, 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 a Cadillac Escalade, you won't tell me no? Because you, you want a $100,000 car? I'm giving you a right. free car. You're not going to take it's, the car? Right. You're insane. Take the car. And it's, it, it, it's crazy. I've seen kids do that. Promise I, I've seen kids do that. You know, wow. I turned down the trike scholarship at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it was a partial scholarship, but with, but with what I had academically as well, you know, I would have been going to school free, but. I also had a full academic scholarship at Claflin University in the Alice Carson Tisdale Honors College, where school would have mm. been free. And but the, the thing mm. was, I, I had choices and I had options. And I had to weigh that. And a lot of kids wouldn't have done that. You know, I'm gonna go. They'll think, well, I'm just gonna go where I can ball. And I actually ended up not only you know going to Claflin, but having my school paid for. It, and I walked on the track team and still was able to fulfill my dream of you know playing a uh, collegiate sport. So, I, but I, I think it's. It's just a mindset thing, and kids have to be educated and really look at, you know, the ins and outs of the situation and not just what people have told them or just that stigma of I'm D1. You know what I mean? You can be mm-hmm. D1 and ride the bench and never get in the game. You know what I mean? And, and kids don't don't ever – I don't think they, they see that enough. No, they don't. Well, well, going back to Javon Hargrave, he played for my beloved Steelers. We drafted him in the third round, and he, 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 finished, he, he, he finished with – 36 sacks, career sacks of college. So that, that's average out to nine sacks a year, which I don't mm-hmm. care what level you're on, nine sacks a year is nine sacks a year. And so at now. D-tack, and most know, of those he, times, he was double teamed. Receiving double yeah. teams. I yeah. watched him play. Yeah. They, they doubled him off. I'm sure Washington, he couldn't block him. <laughs> yep. Anytime he was one on one, it was direct. Yeah. And so basically, 
that I mean, we I mean, I, I would have loved to have kept him in free agency. The team was the Steelers would have loved to keep him, but he played so well that he outperformed his he outperformed his contract. So now that mm-hmm. you signed him to a big money deal, and God bless him, good for him. We're gonna miss him in Pittsburgh because he he played well in Pittsburgh. So it hey, does show you like this. No matter where and, you are, if you can pay, they'll find your ass. They'll pay you. Yes. But as a Skins fan, right. I'm going to hate seeing them twice a year. It was already bad <laughs> enough as an Aggie seeing them once a year. Now I got to see this guy <sighs> twice a year? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. God. That's tough. <laughs> hey, I said the same thing about Darius Leonard. You know, his first big game was against the Skins. And I said before the game started, I said, you know, Darius, he was a beast. He hasn't looked good week one. I'm hoping this ain't the game. And that was his breakout game, which led to him having that defensive player, rookie player of the year uh, campaign that season. So, yeah, it's always against my beloved Skins, man. I hate to make this a Skins moment, but, you know, this is also a talk about a state moment, too. He was lately as well. Yes. Leonard was yeah. in the news as well uh, for being racially uh, discriminated against at a, a local Chipotle. He's actually here in Florence, South Carolina, where I live. And uh, Really? So he, he's been wow. in the news. Yeah, it, it was on yeah. ESPN. Yeah. That was two weeks ago. Um, no, I knew yeah, it was ESPN. Yeah, that story out. Started... Okay. Wow. Yeah, check that out. It, it was on ESPN, and, uh, you know, it's a big story about it. And uh, they, they, they actually uh, suspended the uh, restaurant um, manager and whatnot, and they're still – Investigating what happened, but yeah, um, it, it made ESPN. And he, you know, he he posted yeah. it on the social media and whatnot. So he's he's kind of been in the news lately. Yeah, <clears throat> wow, Ooh. that's crazy. Well, speaking of football, uh, well, of course we've been talking about football, but anyway, I was looking on Grambling's website, Grambling's uh, football's website. I didn't know they. I mean, they have like field turf. I did not know that. It looks a lot better. Wow. The game looks a lot better with him. So, and, and then there would then the Adidas school at that. And speaking of Adidas school, so we talked about, Dwayne and I talked about, and I think, Previn, you, you too, in the past, when we had these roundtables yes. on, like, like, uh, um, like athletic brands getting with HBCUs. The MEAC did that a few years ago. Some schools uh-huh. in the SWAC have done it. Of course, Grambling. Um, so, Dwayne, do you, or one of y'all, do you, do any of you know if all the SWAC schools have, like, major, um, like, well, deals with, with a major apparel uh, company such as Nike, Adidas, and uh, they Under do. Armour? I know, aside they from do, Grambling. They, yeah, they're all just uniform suppliers for all of the uh, the, the programs. They all have them in the, um, in the SWAC and in the MEAC as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the MEAC sure. is yeah, like, um, I know they have right. I know they have, have been yeah, the MEAC, they had that agreement with Russell that was longstanding. Yeah. And um, the, when that contract expired, they didn't renew with Russell. And I think the uh, SWAC had something. It might have been with Russell, but when theirs expired <clears> after <throat> the MEAC did, so um, the SWAC was uh, – those schools went out and secured their uh, independent deals um, to whichever they could find the best uh, – with best with, Whichever respective apparel maker, they were a little bit behind the MEAC when that happened. Actually, Previn, the deal was simultaneous. The, the, it Russell was simultaneous. The I thought they were a year behind the, us. No, they were they were at the same time for both MEAC and okay. SWAC. The, the, the thing is, Russell was getting out of the apparel making business. 
when right. their contract was ending. And what the, 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 the thing was, they were saying that, you know, since they weren't making money in the apparel-making business, they were going to go ahead and get out of it. And once that deal ended, that was going to be the end of them doing that for, um, for college programs. And the majority of the MEAC schools got Nike deals. Uh, the ones that didn't were Morgan State that got under well, got Adidas, Howard got Under Armour, and um, I'm trying to remember if there was another school that that got someone other than Nike. But there were more SWAT schools that that got uh, Adidas, like uh, Grambling, Alabama State, and I'm trying to remember if there's someone else off the top of my head that also got. Adidas, but yeah, they 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 the uh, the HBCUs all went along with those three major brands of uh, Nike, Under Armour, and um, Adidas. And I think um, Under Armour has a, a deal with all of the CIAA schools, if memory serves me correctly. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I have to go back and look back at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. Um, yeah, so speaking of the MEAC, we all we all saw this praise of the SWAC and that they not only know what the hell they're doing, but they're really thriving. Let's talk about the, what's going on in the MEAC right, um, right quick. Um, you got, we're down to, like, with, okay, I'm trying to do the math in my head. Later at night. Um, Hanson left. A&T is about to leave. FAMU is about to leave. Bethune is about to leave. So that's four schools that are at least in the midst of leaving. So that's what's left the EMEA for six football playing schools, which yes. is the bare minimum. Uh, we yes. talked about this uh, uh, a shot last week about the prospects of them, like, continuing, like, with six schools and they're, like, actively recruiting and trying to entice schools to change conferences or move up from where they had the bear or wherever and entertaining the idea of bringing in PWI institutions. So basically, right. like, 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 um, um, Rashad, like, how how do you see – it's hard to say, like, how do you see if some entities like five years out that's virtually impossible with how fluid the landscape is in college sports, but where do you see the MEAC in two years? Let's just say two years. Where do you see the MEAC in two years with all those schools gone and them trying to recruit schools or say if they're having trouble recruiting schools, where do you see the MEAC in a couple of years? Man, they, they, ah, it's, it's, they're going to be in trouble. Um, and I say that in in the most respectable way I can. Um, they can, you know, sure. still play with six teams, you know, Dell State, Howard, Morgan State, Norfolk, um, Central, and South Carolina State. But, I mean, who's to say one of those schools wouldn't want to leave? You know what I mean? And, and so it's, it's going to be tough. I, I can – the, the, the thing about it, I think they're going to have to attract other schools. Um, you know, and I, I know I know it's been talked about before, maybe bringing in, you know, a Bowie State or, you know, a, a Virginia State or, you know, somebody of that nature. Um, you, you might have to look at CIAA schools and, and, and them moving up potentially. And I know that's tough because, again, we talked about it earlier, you know, a lot of schools with the, the COVID era, COVID era and what's going on with COVID, a lot of schools might not want to, pay that, that, that hefty fee, you know, uh, with looking at budget cuts sure. and whatnot. But, I mean, they, they're going to have to attract other schools to come in. Otherwise, they're not going to be as attractive. I mean, you got to have 
have schools that want to come and, and, and join. And the thing is, how attractive is the MEAC right now? You know, it looks like league where everybody's trying to, you know, get out of Dodge. And, and so the thing is, from a football standpoint, according to, you know, NCAA rules, they can maintain with six. But I, I just think it hurts uh, their their overall brand and how attractive they are in terms of, um, you know, a football conference. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, there was rumored that there was state was going to move, but they just issued a statement not too long ago that they're going to stay with the MIAC. So okay. at least that's that's one good thing about the MIAC has to go on. But they've been rumored to go to the NEC for a while, um, and so they're about to stay there. So we so also um, I was I stay with you, Rashad, uh, because we because the rest of the guys talked about this in previous weeks. Um, Mm-hmm. There's like there's a there's a story I think it's on HBCU Game Day where it gave the possibilities of the future realignments of of, of HBCU conferences. One which has the Seattle Bay having a super conference, others like having some schools in the in the MEAC remaining schools moving different conferences. Like for example, right. like possibly of how, which has been talked about I think, moving to the Patriot League to be with like like some Georgetown in football. And the Patriots lead is pretty much like a mid mid Atlantic mm-hmm. northeastern type conference, so that would cut down on, right. on on travel. And like maybe South Carolina State and, and Central looking to the Big South as well mm-hmm. to South. join, uh, yeah, to 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 join A and T and Hampton. So in your eyes, like, is it how real is the possibility of of of, of the likes of Howard? And, and and those schools I mentioned moving up, move, moving on because those are the real possibilities. And those schools are those are attractive schools, particularly Howard Central and South Carolina State. And you know, you get, I mean, you know how it is in college sports. Everyone has to look for for for, for, for number one. So what do you see those schools no looking? There's a very possibility with those schools leaving to the for those conferences. Or what do you think? Yeah, I think it definitely is a possibility. I think all of them probably right now are looking, you know, potentially if you think about, you know, is a move possible? If so, you know, what conference would, would, would be would we be best suited for and so on and so forth. So, I, you know, I can see them definitely trying to find their way out. And if, even if they stay, I mean, you know, it, it's just I don't know how, how attractive it can be. You think week in and week out, you know, with the with fam leaving, you know Bethune leaving, you know A and T's gone, you know so on and so forth. A lot of those rivalries have left. You know they they won't get the same crowds, they they won't get you know the the, the same matchups, and so it you know and that kind of hurts the culture. You know um, I can yeah. see South Carolina State potentially you know looking at the Big South. You know um, it, it it wouldn't be out of the, the realm of possibility. And, I mean, travel-wise, you know, everything's right here in, in the southeast, southeastern region. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt them travel-wise in terms of cost and whatnot. So um, I, I could see definitely see them look. It's going to be interesting to see how the MEAC keeps it together and then those schools and what they potentially uh, do. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, Forever, since uh, you've been our inside man in terms of HBCU sports, uh, you know about the rumors of moving shakers. Uh, have you heard anything of any movement on this front of of, of particularly Howard, 
Central and maybe No, not really State. where Howard I have thoughts on Howard, but I don't have any information. But before I do that, okay. uh, let me just say in terms of the inside man bit, <laughs> um, it's just funny. It's like I'm just kind of always standing around and people have these conversations around me. That is precisely what happened when I got that word to Dwayne about A&T going to the Big South, a random conversation uh, where somebody just walked up to me and started talking about um, he had spoke with the um, the commissioner of the Big South and said the deal was done A&T to the Big South. And I got home and I texted Dwayne immediately. <laughs> and that sort of thing just kind of keeps happening to me. I'm just, you know, I'll be at work and somebody comes up, I heard this, check it out. You know, I might dig, I might pass it to Dwayne. Here's, what, here's one thing. Um, the logistical linchpin is in one in one way of looking at it, the logistical linchpin of the remains of the MEAC is Norfolk State. Uh-huh. Um, both in terms of geographics, the location of the headquarters, the location of the basketball tournament. Um, the Big South had been in conversation with Norfolk State for at least as long as they had been in conversation with A&T. I don't know okay. if those conversations are still going on, but I would probably bet that they were. So if and Norfolk State, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, uh, go um, do not. I wouldn't count the Spartans out of moving. Um, and if they go, I would probably imagine that it's a wrap. Hmm. Hmm. So, what do you think they're going to head? Do you have any idea or any inkling of where they may head? Oh, they they would head to the Big South, I think. Big South. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because they'll be with Hampton again. Uh, well, as far that, as like I the, mean, like I said, there was an A and T. Like I said, the big the Big South had been talking to Norfolk State for some time. And okay. you know, we as Dwayne talked mentioned last week, you know, it's kind of a <clears> gateway <throat> conference. People are going to be coming in and moving out. There's going to be uh-huh. some more openings in the Big South. They're going to continue to look to expand, and you know. If you're thinking about it in the Big South, why not Norfolk, Virginia Beach, the Tidewater area? You got Hampton huge already. Media market. Then you want to go, not just a huge media market, it's an underrated population density. Uh-huh. And talent. And I mean that from a talent, talent standpoint. Pool. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. It is a highly underrated population density. Yep. So... Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying book it, but, you know, I'm saying um, that's a consideration as much as South Carolina State, um, central even, uh-huh. but that that would be my consideration, uh, Norfolk State being the linchpin to what's what's left of the MEAC. Yeah, because mm. to, wow. to, to follow up with what uh, Previn just said, the Big South <laughs> is just that. It is a huge uh, revolving door. You've seen a lot of programs come and go into that conference. And if you think about it, the three biggest names now in that conference, not named A&T or Hampton, are all football-only programs, and that's Kennesaw State, North Alabama, and uh, Robert Morris. And it's already been uh, um, put out there that if the Atlantic Sun goes through with this plan that they're doing with this exploration of um, 
expansion, they're looking to take back uh, Kennesaw State and North Alabama to fulfill this all-football conference that they're looking to put together, which would open up two more doors in the Big South. Wow. Wow. So basically it may become a, 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 a semi-gentrified version of the media. <laughs> you know, Reverse gentrification. <laughs> it could be. For it really it could, could be. be. Where, uh, Campbell and High Point, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Winthrop, uh, even though Winthrop's a basketball school, they don't have a football team, but, you know, Winthrop, High no. Point, Campbell. Yeah, uh, in Bradford as well, right? Basketball. Yeah, Bradford. Uh huh. Yep, Bradford. Yeah. yeah, Liberty. Liberty. Uh, yeah. Liberty's, Liberty's uh, moved on. They moved football, on. I think they. Yeah. Their basketball. I think they, their basketball programs are in um, other conferences as well. Has it? it it's been yeah. moved. I thought the basketball was still in. Um, Liberty's D one. Big South. Liberty is FBS. No, I know they're they, FBS. They I thought the football program okay. has moved on. But I think the basketball right. and everyone else has stayed. But if not, okay. that's another one of those a sun. I know they women. I know the women's basketball team are in a different conference. Okay, so I mean, yeah, they might be a sun now. If memory serves me, you're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. So, so speaking of the teams that are performing MAC schools that are in the Big South, I'm thinking the first thing I remember hearing about. When A and T was moving, was making a move. I think it's going to be for this year. So um, I'm like wondering, well, what the hell are they going to do? We're going to do for like homecoming. I'm because I'm thinking the fan excitement, the fan involvement. I mean, I know it's, they're going to be local. I know they're going to we're going to save on cost, travel costs, which is fine. But I mean, I'm trying to see if we're as an alumni base going to get excited for. The likes of High Point University or Campbell. No, no, no disrespect right. to Campbell. Campbell's <laughs> a decent football school, but happen to get excited for those two or Charleston Southern, you know, whereas you just left, you know, other uh, other like black-minded HBCU schools. So I'm thinking for uh, maybe and maybe if Norfolk State were to make the jump to the Big South, maybe that would assuage those concerns. But still, I mean. At least with FAMU and, and Bethune going to the SWAC, I mean, that's exciting because you're going to see, damn, we're going to see Grambling, Southern, Jackson State, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley State, Prairie right. View A&M. And by the way, I'm on Prairie View, A, Prairie View A&M's Facebook page. That football stadium, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah really, no doubt. I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice-ass <laughs> stadium. But still, the, but, but the point is, is that, it's hard for me as an A&T alum to get excited to play Campbell or homecoming in Campbell University. Well, Charles so, so, so Wayne, and, and, and you won't to, to Previn. What's up with that? <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about them playing uh, Campbell or, or High Point for homecoming, being that they don't have football programs. Um, yeah. My guess so is what they would do. No, they don't have football. Okay. Charles okay. Southern does, though, but. But, you know, yeah. um, okay. Campbell and High Point don't. Um, what they might end up doing is, I, I, I guess, it'll either it'll be like a rotation of Hampton or an OOC game or out-of-conference game where they end up playing another HBCU. Um, VU will okay. take that check. Yeah, they will. 
Yeah, yeah, they will. Virginia military. Yeah. Will take a check. And take it quickly. So, I mean, yeah. if, if, if it's if it's Can't something ship. where <laughs> if, 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 if it's something where it might be an issue where they might feel as though it might be a a, a a reaction from the fan base or homecoming, they'll go ahead and they'll plan accordingly for that. And it'll be interesting because, of course. The date is already set for 2022, but 2021. The question is, the opponent, is that already set for 2021? And I doubt that that's the case. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's my only guess is that they'll go ahead and attempt to appease the fan base by doing something like that. Because you're right. I don't know how the fan base is going to feel about having Kennesaw State come into town having Charleston Southern come into town or even having the likes of Gardner Webb come into town, even though they've already played Gardner Webb like every year for the past what, two or three seasons. Two, so two, that's three, like a, a familiar foe for them. Um right. yeah. so it'll it'll be intriguing to see exactly how they handle homecoming. Yeah, I was gonna say to you guys' point, I mean, you think about A and T, uh G-H-O-E, I mean, their homecoming has its own brand, greatest homecoming on earth, you know what I mean? And, and so it, exactly. it won't be Damn the right. same, you know, right, right. Playing other, you know, PWIs, I mean, just for the culture, you know, it, it just won't be the same. I know they had a South Carolina State schedule for homecoming this year, and I mean, even people mm-hmm. in this area in South Carolina, I mean, we're looking forward to it, you know, oh, and yeah. because of COVID, of course. Oh, yes, you I know, know, it's been thrown I off, know but, South Carolina State alumni was going. Right, man, listen. Rooms and then hotels and whatnot have been booked for months and months. You know, you, you can't even get a room in Greensboro, you know, of course, for that weekend when it was scheduled. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can now with, with COVID. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that was very highly anticipated, you know. So it it's, it, it won't be the same. But like you said, I, I think they'll, schedule, scheduling wise, they'll try to make arrangements to, to make it as feasible as possible, you know. Um, Swack won't have to worry about that. You know, it, it's no. good for them every week, but, uh, you know, <laughs> right, Big South right. definitely will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Swack's still on top of Goldman. I don't have to worry about that, you know, that shit. So, because, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, I mean, I'm taking care of the future of the MIAC. I can help but think about what you said, Previn, about Norfolk State being courted by the Big South for, for, for years. And it just – it's, 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 it's a trip how things – I mean, college sports in general is constantly – it's constantly fluid. It's moving. It's never it's – never, it's never stagnant, right? Even in times of, 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 of alleged peace, there's still some rumors, still some talk, still some work behind the scenes, moving, maneuverings behind the scenes. It, it's just it's crazy. But I think about what about the smaller schools, like the CIAA, the, the SEAC, um, Side rather, um, you know, well, what may come of them because you know Morehouse canceled all their fall sports. They just won't be playing yep. this year. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking we'll do to them long term. So uh, I saw I saw with with, with Rashad like if you like the, the like seeing what's going on at, at Morehouse and the possibility that it may be going on at other smaller HBCUs like D2 schools uh-huh. like. Like if you see Rashad like uh, uh, um, Morehouse, like the Morehouse shutting down their schools for so sorry shutting down their all sports, 
what's it going to look like long term? I mean, because I'm afraid for schools like Morehouse long term if they shut down like the sports programs for 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 like 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 for a season. I mean, that's just some scary times for those schools and other small schools throughout the nation. But this is a HBCU podcast theme podcast this week. We're going to focus on them. So, Rashad, give me your thoughts on what it may do to small HBCUs that they're forced to deal with their seasons or cut back. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's gonna be scary. Um, you know, and we've even seen some of the, the, the bigger D one schools, you know, cut programs, you know, because of right uh funding and issues with COVID. So imagine what it'll be like for smaller HBCUs who just don't have, you know, the financial wherewithal to COVID and you know and so it's I just think it's gonna be tough. Um I pray that, you know, we won't have as many cancellations of, of seasons and whatnot. Um you know, and I also pray that some of the, you know, alumni bases will step up and, and, and support these schools and these programs. But um, it's it's going to be interesting to see because uh, HBCUs, you, you know, we deal with some of those funding issues that the other schools don't. Um, right. Yeah. And and so I'm just hoping and praying that everything, you know, goes as planned. But, yeah, I saw where Morehouse actually canceled. So, you know, cr- cross country and football. You know, they, they won't be playing this fall. How about you, Dwayne? Well, my thing is, and, and I know people who are smarter than me are going to have more of an answer or a better answer than this, but my thought is you don't spend money, you you, you end up saving money. It, 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 that's the way it seems to me. I mean, if you, you already have a budget that you are going to spend, now you don't have to spend that budget, you're, you're kind of saving money. So, you know, Morehouse, if, if if you follow them, as much as they participate in sports, they're not necessarily completely focused in sports. They're more academic than sports. Because you hear yeah, no often where they have football players or, or probably basketball players too that will miss games to go take care of internships. And, you know, that's that's nothing that, that's new to them, and it's something <clears> that, that they'll end up stopping to do so. I mean, yeah, they'll play it, but they'll be fine. They'll they'll find a way. It's the ones that really have to generate revenue off of their athletics that that I'm more concerned about. But my my hope is that, like you said, the the, the, the intelligent and savvy alum out there will go ahead and figure out a way to make donations to help keep their respective athletic departments afloat. All right, Previn. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was thinking. I was just took a quick look at something, and you know, um, Dwayne made a. You mentioned Morehouse specifically, uh-huh. and when it comes to um, when it comes <clears throat> to a uh, smaller private school, they may be set up better to survive this than some other smaller HBCU private schools. Um, but on the other hand, going back to the uh, public side, on the public schools. Um, you know, you, you will still have that measure of um, uh, assurance from, you know, state funding, um, and it does still go back to what Dwayne said, and I think I said it last week too. Yeah, you're not making money, but you're not spending money. These aren't 501Cs. They don't have to empty out the account going into next year. You know, this is there are some opportunities to um, consolidate, and hopefully the alum do come around, and, um, and this is for everybody, not just the smaller schools, right. but – come around and make a, make their donations wherever they can 
and um, these places are in better position to um, to start strong in the spring or at the fall if they have to go that far. Right, right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, good insight, fellas. So basically, we're going to put a um, – I want to say we could put, put a bow on here. I can't think of anything else we would add it because – you know, like you, so many anglers that like we get that, that that you could take HBCU sports and whatnot. But uh-huh. uh, going back to what we said, we talked about a few years ago that prospects are having the HBCU Sports Channel. You know, that's back when the NEAC was at full capacity, if you will. And and of course, the SWAC was always been a SWAC, but I see the Bay was thriving, the SIAC was thriving real well. Give um, it changed everything. I'll give you uh, the final last words on this. I'll start with um, save the best for last, but but uh, Rashad, I guess since you're the, the new guy with this, so to speak, give me what you think HBCU sports as a whole will look like in three years. I, I know I said earlier that it's um, kind of silly to project out the five years, but just given the change in aspect, the landscape of college sports in general, give me what you think HBCU sports Will uh, will look like in three years as a whole. Um, I think it goes without saying. I think that the SWAC will, will take the lead in terms of you know that that, that Division One conference and uh, you know the one that kind of sets the standard. Schools they have you know the member institutions they have. Um, I think they're <clears> set up well for the future. I see uh, the MEAC trying to hold on. Is it is just it's interesting to see what's going to happen with them. Um, I try to be as optimistic as possible, but um, I'm not sure what will be made of the MEAC in, in a couple of years. Um, hopefully they'll, they'll, you know, they can hold on and and get, you know, some teams to just kind of stick and stay. But if not, then I can see some of them move into the Big South, you know, um, like you said, uh, other other conferences as, as well. Um, you know, Division two schools, you know, SIAC and whatnot, I, I think a couple of them will, you know, potentially move up. But um, I, I see them a lot of them staying put based on, you know, just financial things going on at different schools. So um, uh, I just think that that, that, that SWAC will kind of set the standard, and the, the other uh, conferences will, will follow um, in line, and uh, as well as uh, Division Two athletics as well. But um. Historically, black colleges and universities, we've always had, you know, sustainability, and we've always been able to kind of press on through hard times. So I, I see us being able to kind of hold our own and, and thrive, and hopefully the culture will support that. All right. Previn? Okay. I'm going to harken back to uh, what I used to call the chasing prairie view days of A&T football. Dwayne, I think you know what I'm talking about there. Uh oh, I hope you're not the talking dark about days. the streak. Yeah, the streak. Yeah, the streak. And there was a lot of talk, you know, a lot of talk about, you know, what was wrong, what was going on, how could this happen? And uh-huh. of course, everybody pointed the finger to funding. And I just kind of threw this suggestion out to one of my friends who I used to play football at A and T, just just throwing something against the wall. I said, if it's this bad, and we are this financially capped and we're having trouble with um, the APR as we are, um, what would be so terrible about going back down to the CIAA? Do you think the uh-huh. A&T 
alumnus, Aggie Nation, do you think anybody would really get upset that we were going, quote-unquote, back to the CIAA, quote-unquote, back to a better basketball tournament? Yeah, we weren't going to go to the, you know, the big dance, but we weren't doing nothing in basketball at the time either. So it was just a thought, and, you know, there was a lot of pros and cons to it. Uh, nowadays, I'm looking at it kind of opposite. I'm looking at, like, some of these CIAA schools and the situation they're in, even outside of COVID, and looking at, you know, some of the, the advances the CIAA has made athletically in the last couple of years, and I don't really see that a lot of them should feel that they have a real pressing need to spend more money to move up to D1, kind of like for what? You know, I mean, there's the, the there's the there's the prestige of D1, but you know, are they, what are they going to really accomplish there other than spending a whole lot more money? And who's really calling for it? So, I think a lot of these uh, we're look, looking at the CIAA and maybe even the SIAC. Um, I think a lot of them are actually in a pretty good spot to continue to make gains, even if they're small ones, in the next three years and actually become better at what they're doing right now. Mm. Dwayne, you're going to finish it out for us? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this. I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the, the near future, other than the fact that there's going to be more change. Um hmm. And I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be happy about all of the change. I'm going to go ahead and say this right mm. now. There's been a lot of discussion um, in various uh, groups that I've been in, um, of various things that I've seen on, on my Twitter feed about A&T potentially being happy about the downfall of the MEAC. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. As a fan mm. of A&T, I am also a fan of the MEAC because that's all I know in terms of collegiate sports. And the last thing I want to see is this conference fall. So, yes, I am highly disappointed in what has happened with this conference. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Um, The ball has been dropped by this conference. Uh, It's, in my opinion, was the the number one conference in Division I HBCU collegiate sports between them and the SWAC. It, It was. And it had the potential to be what the SWAC currently has the potential to do. Now, with that TV deal, as we talked about with the SWAC, the MEAC had the opportunity to do so, especially with the schools being in four of the top ten media markets in the country, six of the top 26. It is insane that that opportunity was allowed to slip through their fingers and nothing be done about it. Now, the SWAC has an opportunity. I hope that they go ahead and carry through on what the SWAC should have, on what the MEAC should have done, at least four to uh, six years ago. And if it does, mm. I will applaud them and celebrate them because they're already headed in the right direction right now for what I've seen. Mm. Mm. Well, I was about to think about fellas, but. Uh... Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to go on happen with the uh, HBCU sports conferences. But uh, this has been great, guys. I enjoyed this. I don't know about y'all, but we got to do this again in, in the future. Hopefully, they have sports college, collegiate sports in the fall, so we can talk about this again. But but they but thank y'all individual like 
all of y'all for, for joining me on this podcast. It was great. We'll definitely holler back later, man. Take a lot. Yes, and it was great you. speaking to Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, down Thank you, man. I enjoyed my it. My third home. My third home <laughs> in the Palmetto State. Yes. <laughs> no doubt, man. There I enjoyed you, you guys. I appreciate all of you. Oh, no worries. Take care, guys. Peace. That's, that's my guy. No that's my guy, Dwayne Nash from the Euro Sports, HBCU Sports, the yard where they sleep. Well, I got it backwards. The yard where they sports, where they wrestle all things, HBCU Sports, as well as Sleeze Radio every Tuesday night on Facebook Live. Of course, you got the coach, Rashad Myers, representative of Kaplan University, and, and last but not least, Brevin Taylor, double Aggie as well. Thank y'all for tuning in to tonight's podcast. This is Scott Bergstein off the Clown Hour. Peace out. Oh, six. Have a good weekend. And have a happy 4th July weekend, too. Take care. <laughs>